Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with you. What is happening with our final episode in September? Let's do a couple quick shout outs and what are we also talking about today? So you may have noticed that for the month of September, we are watching and reviewing listener recommendations. Today we have Bionic 6 that came from Dome Poltave. So shout out to Dome. He went on our social media and recommended a cartoon to us through our link tree. What is our link tree? It's a link that's in the bio of all of our social media stuff. You can go to the bio on any of our social media platforms, click the link tree, and then select recommend a cartoon, just like Dome did. And very similar to what Doug did two weeks ago for Spartacus, you can even call us, 202-681-4406. This ensures that you get the proper shout out and the credit that you deserve. And we also really want to know why these cartoons had such a profound impact to you as you were growing up. That's what's important about this. So please, either recommend it uh, through our recommend a cartoon button that we have, or give us a call and let us know cartoons that we should watch in the future. And make sure that you get the proper shout out. Speaking of shout outs, see how good I am at segues? I'm fantastic at this. Amelia K on YouTube for Liberty's Kids. Yes, good old episode eight. Um, she says, don't say anything bad about the cartoon series ever, referring to Liberty's Kids, because it was a major in influence on her teenage life. Well, no doubt that it had a major impact, and that is amazing. We love hearing that. But this, and I want to remind everybody, this is also a podcast that reviews cartoons. So we're going to be a little bit critical, and we are going to joke around a little bit. So please understand that. It doesn't diminish any of the influence that it had. We are going to talk trash on a couple cartoons if it warrants that. So Amelia also had some great comments that drew parallels of the Liberty Kids to shows that were on television such as iCarly and the Wizards of Waverly Place. So thank you, Amelia. We appreciate all of your input. We're sorry if we offend you. That is not the intention for any of this. Our final shout out goes to somebody that you hear just about every week on this show, Bobby Anthem. Um, he always does our love it's or hate it's and I just can't say enough good things about Bobby. We are very serious at the end of every episode when we say that we want to get Bobby Anthem animated. And so if you would like to help us with some fan art, please let us know. We will set you up. Just can't say enough good things about Bobby. He's absolutely the best. So what are we talking about today? Well, as I mentioned, Dome has referred us to Bionic 6, and we have returning guests Charlie Visconage and Joe Randazzo. We discussed this earworm of a theme song in detail. Charlie constantly brings up the fact that he's finally happy that he's on an episode where he enjoyed the cartoon, and Joe does an unreal job of breaking down Bionic's verse cybernetics. We end this entire Bionic 6 discussion with some honest and really deep questions about the impact of Bionics and technology on society, which was an absolute blast. All of this and more on today's episode. So now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series coming to you all the way from the Special Projects Lab. I'll be your host, Sean Paul Ellis, a.k.a. Host One. Returning to the show and joining me with a robotic artistic eye and arm, we have painter Charlie Visconage, a.k.a. Painter One. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> welcome back, Charlie. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. And also returning with his bionic eyes of sarcasm and an ability to repel and magnetize people with his charm, we have Joe Randazzo returning, a.k.a. Italian One. Jesus. <laughs> Why are we all one? Thank you for having me, I guess. Uh, that'll be a question, Charlie, that we can answer or at least discuss later about the nomenclature for everybody's name. Yeah, sorry uh, for jumping the gun. No, 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 because it implies a whole world of potential <laughs> weirdness and possibilities that we have to just really kind of deep down. Uh, we really have to get down into all of that stuff. So we are, of course, tonight talking about Bionic 6, the cartoon Bionic 6. And so I, I really just want to kick this off and, and get an idea. Joe, did you have any type of relationship or, or awareness of this cartoon? Uh, no, I'd never heard of it before in my life. So this was a totally new experience for me. Okay. All right. Good. Charlie, new experience for you? Yeah, totally new for me. I had never seen or heard of this before. Wow. This is, this is crazy because this is a three for three. Uh, this, is, this is new for me as well. I, have, I must admit that I keep seeing the toys for this cartoon for Bionic 6 pop up in my Instagram feed for a lot of people who collect toys and are, are selling toys and kind of finding like vintage toy lots. Your Instagram feed sounds really cool. Well, it's the one for Saturday morning cartoons. It's Joe. that and butts, so it, folks. <laughs> it's, pretty much, it's pretty much Charlie's paintings, old toys, <laughs> and then just a lot of women who are in cosplay. So yeah, yeah. it's creatively interesting. <laughs> very diverse so I, i've seen a lot of the toys and it seems like there are certain members of this show on the hero side that have kind of become collectible commodities the girl right no god damn it <laughs> <laughs> no actually fluffy the uh oh, the, robot. Robot. the robot the yes. robot you know what he I'll, I'll be honest i don't remember this show at all if i've ever seen it but the robot does seem very familiar right for some reason i know it, it I think because in that 80s, everybody was kind of pairing at some point a robot with what people were doing or with like some type of a team. And, and honestly, it just kind of feels like it plays really well into the idea of, hey, we have a bionic family. And there's also like a fully robotic kind of bionic member of the family as well. You don't really know much about Fluffy and like what the internal components are. Joe, what's going on? It just, the show pisses me off because... <laughs> And we'll Coming get more in into it. We'll get more into it, but like we've really delved into the robot at this point. You have a sentient robot, right? Why isn't the show called Bionic Seven? Like it's still Bionic He's S. He's a second-class citizen. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this geez. is some bullshit. All right, you have a sentient fucking robot who is super helpful and saves their lives. The least you could do is count him as a member of your team. Like that's all I'm saying. But wait, aren't they all sort of like Terminator-esque exoskeletons covered by flesh? That kind of remains to be seen. It, I thought I saw that in one of the montages as they were powering up or whatever. I definitely feel like there are robotic and bionic components to everybody that's included. And I, we'll, I, I don't think they're cyborgs, though. I think you're talking no. about cyborgs. But I thought that that's like part of the animation, though. I think they're bionic, no. not cyborgic. So what would you define as being bionic versus so a bion cybernetic? A, a bionic is living tissue that's, that was a person or is a person augmented by technology a cyborg is basically computers <clears throat> which have some sort of fleshy, disgusting flesh parts included with them i it's i think it's where you start from hmm. 
So like the Terminator is a cyborg. Right. Right. Whereas <laughs> Lee Majors, the six million dollar man, is, is bionic. bionic. Okay. So what it's am- it's the genesis or the initial genesis of the organic tissue right. that's it's, being used. It's it's the ability to have a soul. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. We got deep there, huh? Maybe that's why it's the bionic six who have souls. Yeah, Fluffy is seven. like, <laughs> I cannot feel. Why have you made me kill again? <laughs> they took me to the Catholic Church. They would not baptize me. <laughs> that's okay. Church, you can skip church, Fluffy. If you guys have any questions about anything related to uh, bionic versus anything that's cybernetic, please at Charlie Visconage. It's at Sweaty in the City on Twitter. <laughs> I think Joe did a masterful job <laughs> describing that much better than I did. Thank no, you. It's... Big into robots. <laughs> All right. So like a perfect example is great. So again, Terminator yep. versus Robocop. Okay. Okay. Mm. Robocop is bionic. bionic. Is a man. Yeah, He's a man, a man first, first instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger T-800, which is a robot first. Okay. Now here's the question. What about cable? Uh, Bionic. No, okay, no cable's bionic. 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 Okay. bionic. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, we just going down a checklist of just different characters and just kind of <laughs> knocking them off. Yeah. If you like them, if they're the hero, they're more often than not bionic. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Interesting tell. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Well, think of, uh, are there any cyborgs that are friendly? Well, I mean, I guess if you looked at uh, Universal Soldiers, that's no, sort of that, a mix those are of... bionic. Those, uh, those are bionic. Oh, I guess yeah. if you're looking for... Because mm. they're human soldiers. Yeah. Mm. I'm just right. You don't have to think about it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> episode over. <laughs> well, speaking of being right, uh, this is Listener Appreciation Month. And so we have been taking recommendations that we have. Uh, last week, we had Doug um, Kendall call in and tell us that he wanted us to watch Spartacus, The Sun Beneath the Sand. This week, we have Dome Poltave who wrote in and told us to watch Bionic 6. And so this is his comment that he has for us. He said, Bionic 6 was fairly sophisticated for the time in terms of animation style and storytelling. The characters had depth, well, at least the family did, and I really identified with Bungie, being an Asian kid growing up in the 80s. Also, who could forget this show's totally rocking 80s theme song? You're telling me, brother. Bionic, Bionic 6, ooh, ooh. We were, I was way off key with that. But yes. Yeah. Okay. We get to a different yeah. register. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll work on it again. But, I nailed it. Uh, if anybody else is interested in being able to, <laughs> thanks, Joe, to recommend a cartoon, you can, of course, always go on any of our social media that we have. We have a link that you could submit a cartoon that you'd like us to watch. Or if you want to leave us a voice message like Doug did, you can call 202-681-4406. This is also available on that exact same aforementioned form that we have that's available on social media. You can call and leave a message, and we will include that in an upcoming episode. So thank Don't you, worry if they sound like me pushing Gundam 0080 coming up. Oh, my God. It'll happen. I, I, I know it's you every time you've left a message because you're just like, hey, Sean, it's Charlie. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. I'm pushing Gundam. <laughs> Yeah. I've probably had three and a half beers. Yeah. I'm feeling emotional. That was actually a message that you yeah. left me. Oh, yes. Perfect. So, <laughs> so if you are interested in a cartoon, feel free to call in and let us know. It's 202-681-4406. Or you can go on our Google form and you could submit a cartoon there. We always love to hear from you guys in terms of what you want us to actually watch. Always appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you, Dome. And this one is for you today. So if you're not familiar with Bionic 6, let's, let's get into a little bit of history about the show. 
Bionic 6 is an American-Japanese animated television series that aired from 1987 to 1989. It was produced by TMS Entertainment and distributed through first-run syndication by CMA-TV years before the latter company became NBC Universal Television Distribution. Renowned Japanese animation director Osamu Dezaki was involved in chief supervising director and his distinctive style as seen in Gogo 13 and Cobra is evident throughout its episodes. The series ran for a total of two seasons with 65 episodes that aired. So guys, we hit that 65 sweet syndication mark. And the original airing was between spring of 1987 and fall of 1987, the exact dates being April 19th to November 12th of that same year. Action figures were produced by LJN, in 1986, and the line consisted of 13 figures from the show, five vehicles, and one playset, which I feel like for toys in the 80s, that playset is essential. That's always one of those cool things. I'm assuming it's some sort of like a mountain face or like a cave that has. Or it could just be like five of the six members. (laughs) (laughs) Around a dinner table? Yeah, it's just in a kitchen, and it's like, I don't so know, man, just tea set. slap a different color on there from whatever we sell to the girls. <laughs> I mean, you know, I it's for some of the time, guys. Yeah, yeah, for some of the sexism in terms of toys that we had during the 80s, that would not surprise me, and it would be disappointing to look at today. Yeah. Uh, so today, the actual line remains moderately collectible, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of people posting it on Instagram, with some of these playsets and vehicles becoming some of the hardest to find across the series. Uh, Bionic 6 Super Picture Books were created uh, a collection of colorful and black and white pinups of the Bionic 6 team, Dr. (laughs) Dr. Sharp, (laughs) Fluffy, and Scarab's team. The book art was supplied by Vince Perez and Lisa Santagello. So that is sort of the the view of not only the the history of the, the series itself and when it aired, but also just how collectible the toy has become. So I really feel like this is a cartoon that a lot, it resonated with a lot of people. There was a toy line that kind of accompanied it and had 13 characters in a single run for a cartoon. That's, that's not terrible. Yeah. It seemed very like merchandisable watching it, but not in a way like, I mean, I don't know, John candidly, I've sat through a couple turds on this show, (laughs) namely transformers, uh, whatever that shitty one we watched in uh, robots in disguise. Yeah. And Teddy Ruxpin. But like I was so pleasantly surprised by this show. Oh, um, good. Doesn't mean I won't dip it. Longtime Charlie fans. <laughs> You'll have to wait and listen to the bitter end to find out. Oh, but, God. you know, some of these shows really come off as such blatant toy commercials. And this really did not. I was very, you know, it's got some like kind of corny humor, but I don't hate on it for that because that's a lot, jo- ca- lot of forcing catchphrases. Oh boy, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's that's really the genre. hits a home run. Oh, that is <laughs> yeah, a that, solar comment. That kid who fucking loves baseball, we get it, dude. <laughs> He's just like, if I could be doing anything <laughs> other than this. And then the father buys into it too, and he's like, as Chip would say, whatever the fuck the kid's name is, as Chip would say, let's hit a like, let's get on the team. And it's like, no one would say. He's that. like, hey, Dad, fuck you. He's like, Chip, anything to just connect with you, okay? I'm your father. I really feel like there's a lot of dad moments where he's like, I am trying to connect with everyone as a part of you this family. You don't know me. Hey, hey, do you want to eat some of my food? Dad, you're fucking disgusting. He's like, oh, I can't win with these kids. Uh, I feel like the culinary question in the show is going to come up much later on. And it oh, is yeah. ridiculous. Uh, 
I've got so many culinary technique questions about sort of this this ending meal from the from the end of episode one. Like, uh, it freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, it looks just, just sort of like mush for the most part. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you have to think though. It, question for our expert: If you are bionic, okay, uh, still full digestive tract? So Maybe. I, I want to be clear that I, I I only know about robots from movies. Um, I guess it kind of depends on what kind of a robot you are. Like, okay. are you a full like 2015 RoboCop where you're just a hand and brain, or are you like, you know, like, uh, you know, I got a Google chip in my eye? Because like, if you're a Google chip in your eye, everything works fine. But like, I you really kind of have to get into the backstory before we get into like whether or okay. not. I think that they I think can... that I think that Joe is serving perfectly as a segue for Charlie to kind of break down a little bit in terms of what we have for the plot of this show because yeah. it is not apparent from the outset and crazy. Yeah, they a... do not mention it any at of all. This. There's a lot of moment before at all <laughs> in the first episode, which is what we watched. <laughs> like none of this is mentioned. That you're like, oh, this is like a lighthearted thing, and then. You read the synopsis, and it's just the tragedy. Jesus. It's <laughs> dark as the hell. Schindler's list of bionic shows. <laughs> Schindler's list is a little tough, maybe. Maybe Infinity. War. Well, they originally they were gonna have it all be black and white, but it's just, um, Charlie, please. Yeah. So in the near future, being some unspecified decades after 1999, naturally, Professor Doctor Amadeus Sharp, PhD. Whoa, <laughs> sounds like somebody's been hiding out in higher education. Head of the Special Project Lab, like or SPL, creates a new form of technology to augment humans through bionics. There you go, Joe. His first subject was Jack Bennett, a test pilot who secretly acted as Sharp's field agent, vigilante, Bionic One. On a family ski vacation in the Himalayas, an alien spacecraft triggers an avalanche, rude, that buries the entire family, exposing them to unusual radiation of a mysterious buried object. Jack frees himself but discovers his family in a comatose state. Oh, God. Theorizing that Jack's bionics protected him from the radiation. How do we know that? Professor Sharp implants bionic technology in the others, awakening them. Afterward, the family operates incognito as a publicly lauded team of adventuring superheroes, the Bionic Six. Wow. A lot going on there. Okay, so Schindler's List was a bit of a reach. Okay. (laughs) And the... Talking about the bad guys in this, the primary antagonist of the series is a mad scientist known as Dr. Scarab, who even has the reflector on his head to let you know that he's he's a a doctor, doctor. (laughs) along with his gang of henchmen. Dr. Scarab is also accompanied by his legion of drone robots called Cyphrons. Scarab is Professor Sharp's brother. Ooh. Ooh. Attention. Obsessed with (laughs) obtaining immortality and ruling the world, Scarab believes that the key to both goals lies in secret bionic technology invented by his brother and is always plotting to possess it. So I think what the big takeaway that I love from this is with a lot of these 80s cartoons, with a lot of these 80s cartoons, and you think about what we had with G.I. Joe, do you guys remember Bats? They were like the robotic soldiers that they had. But it's similar parallel to the Cyphrons that we have here. G.I. Joe had bats? Yes. Like Cobra had bats. Cobra had bats. Right. They were they, just bad guys that you could shoot and they would blow up. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's, all the, that's always the point for these cartoons is can we create a robot so that when we destroy it and it explodes on screen, sensors can be like, well, it's not a person. Right. So. There's not blood and guts. Again, to Joe's point, there's not a soul. Right. Yeah. 
it's the foot soldiers being robots exactly. in the cartoon. In yeah. Ninja Turtles, yes. Yeah. You know, which then when you watch the movie, you're just like, wait, were they really just people that they recruited from New York City? What's going on here? Raphael sighing them in the chest is a whole different thing. <laughs> he enjoyed it. Um, <sighs> my, my one question for Dr. Scarab throughout the whole thing is it's like, immortality. Why, man? Infinite time of this? I don't know. <laughs> Count me out. But I, I, my question for Dr. Scarab is, do you take Blue Cross Blue Shield? Because <laughs> I got a thing on my shoulder, and it's just got the eye patch. I it's going like... to immortally hurt me <laughs> if I don't get it looked at. Like, is, uh, this, is this melanoma? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> just asking. I mean, I'm not going to take a look. I'm also not a professor doctor. Not a professor. So I DDS. don't wait, Sean. But when you were checking my uh, balls for lumps, you said you were... that was for fun, and I also took the cross. <laughs> Just the card. Medical I gave it back billing to you fraud, guys. I gave it back to you at the end of it. So. I missed. Yeah. I missed that episode. Um, <laughs> the interesting thing about Doctor Scarab, yeah, yeah, is that he's not like a bunch of scarabs with yeah, a trench coat. No, but beetles. you know what? He does have he does have a beetle with him that he calls Hotep. Uh, which, if you remember, is the name of Imhotep, which is the name of the mummy mm-hmm. from the mummy movies. Right. Um, but the interesting thing about him is um, he speaks in like a cross between Edward G. Robinson and Peter Lorre. So like if you actually listen to it, he's just like, nah. He's like, well, we got to go get this. See? And it's just like he's got this weird back and forth. Little, it sounded nothing like that. I can't do either of those impressions. <laughs> much less combine the two, but it's <laughs> shitty. Uh, and it's just a weird, like, the accent is all over the place. It, it, it is a little bit strange. But, I mean, for a villain, you have to realize that sometimes a couple core tenets that we will have for cartoon villainry is that uh, make them ugly, yeah, make, have to be make them heavier, unattractive. Yeah. physically unattractive, uh, put them in a potential uh, darker color, so like a blue or a purple. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's... You know, and then in some and cases, and they have henchmen that are stereotypes. Yes, oh, I mean <laughs> yeah. they they always do. You know, or or those guys I mean, were jacked though. I mean, let's be honest. the The names for our villains that we saw tonight were mechanic, who literally looked like he was just a mechanic that somebody found at a Jiffy Lube, <laughs> and then we had a guy called the Glove, which looked like he had advanced jaundice. <laughs> can I? Can and I, also, he was the Glove because he had a glove. Can I say something very quickly? And it and it goes into the a little bit, not the plot, but just of the mechanics of the show. Um, the mechanic had one of the most interesting lines of the show, which was to me, the, uh, bionic six comes to stop their dastardly deeds. And he goes, look out, the bad guys are here. And I was like, oh my God, the mechanic thinks he's a good guy. Are, are we all the good guy in our own story? And it was a real like metaphysical moment for me, not the word I'm looking for, but it was a real like moment where it made me think. Um, and I was just like, huh. He is a poor, poor man who doesn't really understand what he's doing here and thinks he might be doing good. I think in some ways that henchmen that you have that are kind of following an evil mastermind in this way are are definitely being manipulated and taken advantage of. And I think that that was from that comment. I'm glad that you brought that up because it was glaringly apparent. Like you said, he's the hero in his own story. Right. And, And that's. That's always interesting and challenging, but to kind of have that come across in such a distinct one-liner, I was like, oh, no, what are we doing here? A mechanic is just a simpleton who is easily swayed by... Right, I mean, you are literally looking at basically 
like a Lou Ferrigno type character, body type <laughs> character. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and he's wearing overalls and like a, uh, was he wearing like, like a, a hard hat? Like yeah, a like, hard like hat. Like a hard hat, like an or- yellow red or an orange red kind of hard hat. And he spoke with like a Southern, like kind of hickish accent. I'd say it was more hickish. A farm boy. Yeah, like a farm, like yeah. farm boy. Yeah, yeah. A real dumb dumb, you might right. say. And, well, and that's oh. how he's portrayed. <laughs> Um, and he's like, get a mechanic. And he's like, I sure like to lift things. And he lifts a table and, he's and shakes just it. shaking a table, which is just, there are better ways. Um, <laughs> he needs a nice adult day program, art therapy. <laughs> I mean, you know, but to Joe's point, torture has come a long way since this cartoon <laughs> came out. You know, it came from lifting up tables and shaking them around all the way to waterboarding. Yeah, you know? true. So it's, oh, there's way better. Than uh, it's tragic. It's, it's tough. It, it, it's very interesting. And I think with a lot of these characters, you know, they, they have the tendency to kind of fall into that trope. And that's kind of what makes them, one, recognizable. Uh, and, and second, I'm going to say it makes them memorable, you know? Yeah. You, you look at those, and as a kid, you're kind of looking at somebody who's in those, like, kind of, like, you know, a weird overalls, like, exposed shoulders, hard hat with, like, giant, like, workers' gloves on. And if you're in a toy aisle, you're just like, yeah, that's him. Visually, it's the blue with the red thing. It's the blue dot with the red thing on top of it. Got it. Put it in the cart. Please, Mom. The way I would describe Dr. Scarab is if basically you take um, the main, one of the main villains from uh, Dr. Planet? No, Captain, Captain Planet. Planet. Do- everyone's a doctor. Um, <laughs> Dr. Captain Planet? Dr. Captain Planet. Uh, DDS. Uh, <laughs> you take the one of the main, like the hog villain from... Uh, Captain Planet, and then basically like Hoggish Greedly. Hoggish Greedly. He's basically Hoggish Greedly. Yeah, yeah. It's the same kind of character, right? For a mm-hmm. reference point. Yeah. No. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't say for a reference point within this show if we didn't drill down and actually talk about the theme song. And of so course. I wanna I wanna get into this because I think that we have a lot of thoughts and we have a lot of feelings. Joe, I want to start with you. What are your thoughts and your feelings on the theme song for Bionic Six? It is catchy. Yeah, uh, it's basically Bionic Bionic Six, woo, which is like a little bit of Ducktales to it. And then I don't remember any of the rest of the theme song. Something about being a family and like everyone was murdered. But um, I don't think that that was no. <laughs> uh, that's just the plot, um, which isn't even the plot. It's it, not really even brought up as like a, a, a moment that they want to recap or even talk about. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if later on in the show they flash back to it. I, they have to because it seems like. In my mind, it's way more horrific than they probably would have made it in the show. Like I see him like in like a, a wash in their bodies, just screaming oh, and like kicking the door open to the de- professors, and he's like, "You fix them, make them like me." I think the worst part about this is that as this is happening, I have a flashback of of like Bionic One, the dad, like it goes even further back where he's like, "Hey kids, I bought tickets to Aspen," oh, yeah. and you're just like. Oh, oh no! Well, the other thing that we're not even touching on is the alien spaceship that just buzzes the valley that causes I, I, an avalanche. I think the alien shoots down something which causes the avalanche because that's what gives them the radiation. Oh, yeah. Well, he, was, he, he, mentions the, he mentioned that there's an object that comes out of the spaceship that it contains the radiation that they're exposed to. Right, so it's like, just plutonium rods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like basically, this is the plot to the Punisher, except that he, the family lives. And like, Jesus. think about it. Like, this was probably a hit, and it just went wrong, and uh, and everybody died. 
uh, except that they were brought back to life as basically undead zombie bionic people. Ooh, you're blurring the lines with bionic and zombie here now, well, buddy. think about it. Everybody was in a coma, which probably is is like, you know, code for they were dead. They had radiation then, poisoning. And they all have radiation poisoning. So I think part of the issue that we're also going to get into is they all scream out these inane, like, oh, we're going to hit like a home run or like, oh, here's a karate kick in the face, which is close to what one of them said. The the karate one. Kung fu. Yeah. So that's is karate one and kung fu. They're basically the same. Uh. They're basically the same unless you go to China and you really get into it. All right. So. I think that maybe, and I'm I'm breaking barriers here, maybe that like they've just plugged in these phrases into like their memory banks, and the whole family is legit dead except for the dad, and he's legit he, dead. He just has to deal with these ghouls wandering <laughs> through his home, questioning his food. <laughs> right. He's just like I brought you assholes back just to question every decision that I made. But but they have such limited cognibility skills, like that they just run on a loop like Westworld robots. <laughs> so like all they can do is like you only talk in sports metaphors. You're a girl. Like oh, <laughs> you're black. <laughs> you do oh, things like that. Yeah, I'm not gonna touch that. But like so like, and he is stuck with this family that are essentially zombies. But he's so horrified at the prospect of letting his family die that he is willing to deal with zombified like canned soundbite versions of his own family. And he maybe goes on these adventures to try and like maybe die. You know what I mean? He's, but like he can't he's take his for, life. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at with Scarab. It's just like Jesus. Why do you want immortality? How about just death's sweet sweet release? Yeah, I think that's what Bionic One is going for here. But he can't <laughs> he's, pull he's the trigger taker. himself. So he's just like, whatever, man. I'll just throw myself into these dangerous. <laughs> you know, situations. like he and he's throwing his zombie family into these situations as well. So I just think that he's like, I don't care. Like, I don't know. I'm a dad. I'm not going to send my kid into a cave, you know, where there's well, undead people. Like, well, do you, do you think at this point that he's just like, look, I tried to be a dad. I failed at it. Yeah. Like everybody died in Aspen. Like, yeah. Now it's time for I me to just be might as well be a like, vigilante team leader. Yeah, right. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, like this is the, the really sad Fantastic Four. Like that's basically <laughs> what this Which is really just essentially any movie version of right. Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. Boy. So. Yeah. I like the All one right, where so Carrie Washington is blind. The second one, the Silver Surfer one. Yeah, with Galactus. Yeah, I just didn't. Like I didn't the, like. The I didn't like the cloud. Galactus cloud. Yeah. That was awful. Car- I'm gonna refocus Joe Randazzo right. on the theme song. Oh, that was all I had to say. That was all- <laughs> well, the one. <laughs> so I really like the theme song. <laughs> Bionic, Bionic Six. <laughs> That's the, just bionic the, the ducktails crying. The ducktails ooh is just somebody crying and sobbing. And, <laughs> yeah, it's just been. It's sped the whole up. thing should be in past tense. Like we were family. Oh god, <laughs> like, a family. We were brought together by fate. Oh man, fate is death. Oh jeez. Yeah, look it up. Well, the, the only funny part or the only really hokey part to me is the part where there's the spoken word part over the. <laughs> With a family brought together by fate and given superpowers through the miracle of modern science. Like even the the tone of the announcer. I'm not a big South Park fan, but I've watched enough. Like it sounds like a Trey Parker and Matt Stone riffing all like over the theme song at that point. A little bit. Yeah, I think it's I think it's for something that. And I, I'll say this in a lot of theme songs. I think that the the lyrics that are being sung 
can be misconstrued and people can misinterpret or maybe not hear if they're not really paying attention to what's being said. And so I think that the spoken word portion of it is sort of that reminder of like, this is what we're about to talk about. And we're going to break out of this with a little bit of musical interlude right. in the background. Like Conan the Adventure. Exactly. Conan the Adventure is great. Is a great way of being able to do that. So, yeah. yes. Uh, so I agree with you, Joe. But Charlie, any, any additional thoughts that you have about the theme song? Not, <laughs> I don't think I can do it any better. Okay. All right. I, you know, I, I'll say this, and I'm going to break it down in a couple different pieces. And I'll say lyrically in the talent that they have singing this, I think is great. And Charlie, I can say that because you came on our Teddy Ruxman episode, and it was awful to hear the voice actors sing. Oh my God! Yeah, that the Teddy Ruxman trash. theme song. So, but yeah, whoever did this, you know, probably some sort of cover band or session music musician, and they were great. Yeah, and it kind of definitely had sort of like a like an aha feel to it from the '80s. Uh, you know, maybe not prog rock, and maybe not some kind of like pop rock for the 80s that she would have, but you could definitely tell that they're using an electric or electronic drum kit in the background and maybe a guitar. A little bit of Yaz. A little bit of Yaz. <laughs> on this Yaz kick recently. The good Yaz I'm on a little situation. bit of Yaz. It's definitely messing with some of my biology. But. Oh my God. All right. So we, we, get a, we, get the, we get the talking portion, which I think provides a little bit of context, maybe even for the adults that are watching with their yeah. kids in some sense. I was a little bummed that we didn't get individual character roll calls or intros because for these six plus fluffy, there's a lot to, there's a lot of people to kind of get introduced to. And I don't feel like within the first episode, they did a great job of explaining who's who. Right. So, uh, I but mean, I, I think they use the visual cues for that. They because, do. Because there's the, the white girl, the white boy, and then the black guy, and then the Asian kid. Right. So like, it's like, uh, here's enough of this. They, like, they do a visual roll call in terms of what they're doing to right. kind of isolate those characters. But I think because of, they almost swap out the names versus their code names at certain parts in the show. And so I don't feel like I have a consistent yeah, idea of who's who really and, and even what the relationship is. I don't think you get a really good feeling of who each character is as a person. Like I, I feel, think you get a good idea of the trope that they're they're playing into. No, I think you get a, an idea of the the trope, um, but I, I don't think you get any idea of like any deeper than that. And right. it's just like you're just like, all right, this is the guy who does kung fu, or yeah. this is the guy it's, who. It's very surface level. Yeah, it's very it's unbelievably surface level. But I Almost will say, like it's a canned memory. God damn it! <laughs> and if you notice, there's little uh, paper animals strewn about in each scene, like Blade Runner. Oh my is god! There? No. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, that's good. Yeah, like that would that. be good. I'd like that. Yeah. So I, I did like the fact that I felt like a lot of the animation that we saw in the intro felt like it was dedicated to animation that they had for the theme song. So not repurposed. So I felt like there was some repurposed animation kind of mixed in, but they had a lot of moments where I could see that it was specifically highlighting uh, like an action pose or sort of what somebody was doing. I, I'll say it to this, this way. The moments that I thought were dedicated didn't have a background. Like it was like a black or like a like a single kind of color with like a flash behind it. And then the ones that I felt were repurposed were the ones like where they're diving out of the plane and they're all kind of like holding hands together like in a halo. So you felt like they used that in, in the show. Correct. Because it had that background. When it didn't have a background, I felt that it was dedicated animation. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Uh, and it's, it's, it's on topic, but slightly off. Are you a fan of that? Or is that a negative or a I like it. I like you? it. I, I like... I like when I see cartoons have dedicated animation for a theme song. I think that because, you know, again, it's one of those things where, you know, like uh, 
anytime anytime you eat, you know, the first bite or anytime you take a drink or you try wine, like the first sip or the first bite is something that you take with your eyes. And so I think with this, whoa, I know. I'm not, this is somebody else's idea. This is not mine. Uh, but I, I, I think that it still holds true. And so if your first impression that you have going into a show is, hey, somebody spent time to really put together uh, an interesting, comprehensive idea and sort of build you into kind of what that that mythos or what that story is going to be that I'm going to tell and present in a one minute kind of bite-sized fashion, I think it does a lot for the the viewer in terms of being able to engage them. See, I disagree. I think that having the the repurposed where you see like, hey, here's a part of a snippet that you're going to see in the show. It actually is like, oh, maybe this might be worth your time. You know, kind of like, you know, when you um, watch like a pornography. Um, Go on. When you like when you hold your finger over the thumbnail and it'll like show you like if you move ahead and it, like show you like here's a snippet from this show. You know, and like from this little, um, I'm trying to figure out how pornography filters into this. No, because it's like it's like snippets. You it's like taste. scenes from. Okay. Yeah. So like, so you know. Well, I, I guess to your point, and maybe what I didn't make clear is that I really do like the fact that there there's a mix that it's a hybrid of dedicated and repurposed animation. That's fair. And so I think that it plays into both. Like you can see that they spent time in terms of being able to do this. Uh, visually with some of the dedicated animation and repurposing so that you kind of get those fun callbacks when you see it in an episode mm -hmm. as well as also I think the theme song was pretty top-notch with this yeah, this was this good. was definitely an earworm I, I loved every minute of it so all right Joe animation 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 style what were your thoughts feelings maybe a comparison that you you want um, to draw it's very clean it's clean animation it's yeah. not it's not very sloppy at all uh, it reminded me of uh, the remember the Carmen San Diego cartoon? Yeah, sure. It kind of reminded me of that style. Uh, very poppy, very bright, uh, well drawn. I, I'm a fan. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I like, the, I like the style of it. Good deal. Charlie? Yeah, I thought it, I agree. I thought it was really high quality. Again, you know, from some of the crap you've shoveled my way in the past, <laughs> this is just like a nice. You're really upset about this. I'm coming after you. Come after. <laughs> um, no, it's just like very refreshing to. Enjoy something this dated and not since I have no nostalgia factor, right? You know, right. for me going in totally unknown, I was like, oh, this is great. To my kind of comparison point was maybe like 90s X Men cartoon almost. Yes, I can that, see that. I yeah. kind of got, and even the quality on that kind of sucks on certain episodes. For me, that's more of a nostalgia yeah. enjoyment. So I would say, you know, this was. Very well done. But you bring up a great point is that when you have that nostalgic anchor for something, when that is a part of your your history or like what you've consumed media-wise, you're willing to say, I'm going to give it a little bit of a pass. You can definitely let the flaws go exactly. more easily. You know? but I Some of those don't... moments where like Wolverine was just like, ah, I go where I want to go. And you're like, you know what? Tone it down. I don't, I don't, really, fucking, I don't really fucking need that, buddy. Yeah. You know, but like for this, I think the show does a good job of being, again, very bright. I think that it is very clean to your point. And I, I get the X-Men. I definitely had, and I think Joe already mentioned this, Captain Planet. Yeah, There were a yeah. lot of parallels that I saw within not only just the visual animation style, but in sort of some of the family dynamics that we had yep. that felt very Captain Planet in the Planeteers. And so I, I kind of, I liked that. And because I have that nostalgic anchor for Captain Planet, it almost sort of, uh, leaped over to Bionic 6 and like even the jank moments that were available in the animation every once in a while I was like you know what that's fine I'll, I'll allow it 
it kind of reminds me, I think it was like a, a little bit of a forerunner for its time in that it seems like a very mid nineties style. And that was in 86, right? 87. Yeah. So, you know, it, it seems like a much later animation style. So it could have been, that's the one that influenced all the rest. Well, the thing that kind of struck me is that this Japanese, it was a joint American and Japanese production, which maybe that's why the quality is higher because you've got well, two different studios. That. And I mean, like I've seen a lot of like, you know, ones where they rush it through and you get these Korean animation and everything kind of moves around and you get the tiny tunes where the tiny tunes aren't exactly the same from episode to episode. Oh, yeah. And even in terms of their color palette that they right. have. Right, color palette too. or proportions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I mean, I, that could be a real dicey m- maneuver there. I think Plucky Duck was like multiple different versions was of like green. Purple. And like, it was yeah, very weird. It was weird. Dizzy was not always purple. <laughs> very bizarre. Sorry, but go ahead. Uh, no, I mean, I don't have more to say about it other than that. But All right. Well, we've already kind of begun to talk about some of the characters that we have that are involved. And so what I wanted to ask is, was there a character that you specifically loved and really identified with? Or was there a character? And we'll start with heroes first. Was there somebody that you were just like, Ugh, I could have I could have done without this this person? Um, really like Fluffy. The okay. giant, the giant robot. You said that in such a like a, a hesitant manner. Well, because he's like not one of the Bionic Six. Yeah, I know, but I, I you, <laughs> you know, know I, I, he's I, like you know, he's I'm the gonna one go without on, the soul. Okay, I'm gonna go on record right now saying that he is part of that family. No, that's like saying the car is part of the family. Like, no, he's not. <laughs> oh boy, Jesus. you know what I mean? Like, you're not part of the team name. <laughs> you're not part of the family. Like, if Fluffy died, they'd be like, oh, we're still a Bionic they, Six. They make another still one. Still a Bionic Six. <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't even have to change their, like, monogram. They don't even have to change their branding. <laughs> so, like, it's just BS. No problems it's here. It's like the dog dying. Yeah, it's like the dog oh dying. You know, except that you just go into the garage and build another dog. Like, or you take that dog that died, and then you put bionics in him, and then you call him some acronym. Right. Yeah. You know, Fluffy One. No, dog is just like D dot O dot G designated organ uh, organism for good. There you go. Yeah, Perfect. dog. Don't tell anyone. Also coming to Disney. Yeah. Are yeah. <laughs> you the head writer on this? A- the new after version? After the success of Axel, that's what's going <laughs> to propel me to stardom. <laughs> that movie. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I like Fluffy. I thought he, I thought he's a cool. He's a basically a big hulking gorilla, correct? I right, mean, yeah, correct. some sort of ape or primate. I'm not 100%. Uh, but also, like, has no regard for any of his surroundings. Like, there's one point where he's just barreling through, like, this jungle that has been untouched. And he's like, they're like, how are we going to get through? And he's just destroying everything in his path. He's just he's oh, like an eco terrorist. He doesn't yeah. give a damn. <laughs> I, like, at that point, I had hoped that the planeteers had showed up. <laughs> They're like, "What are you doing, Fluffy? Kill!" Like, like we need, all right, Captain Planet, we need to put him down. Just, and they're like, "No, oh, it's Fluffy. No one gives a shit." You know what? Nobody, so, still, nobody's changing our branding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't kill my zombie kids. Um, I think I really also like the dad. Um, okay. Yeah, the dad kind of ties the whole thing together. He's yeah. obviously the leader, uh, as the only human one at this point. So arguably, arguably, you know, um, yeah, maybe the only full human. The only f- well, like the full, like the one, the only one with a soul. Oh still. God damn! So the only alive one. Oh my God! Not undead. I would. I don't know what you want to call it. The non-reanimated dead. So. 
yeah, I like the dad. I, you know, I, I thought he was, he's your typical, like, 80s, like, let's go get him, kids, and, like, I'm going to beat the heck out of you. Like, I, Wait, I, he threatened them with, he threatened the children with physical violence? <laughs> he's the Bing Crosby. I'm going to beat you with my belt if you don't do well on this exhibition. <laughs> I'm going to so. hit him with a sack of Valencia oranges. <laughs> it's not going to leave a mark. <laughs> Yikes. So. Oh, man. Any, anybody from the, the hero side, from the family dynamic, that you did not like? What did the mom do? Like She had she uh, had psychic powers? Yeah, she had like... That's not tele- a bionic power. She's the homemaker one. <laughs> oh, no. Come on, Charlie. That's fucked up. She had uh, she had telepathy, and she could make holograms. Right. We saw we saw yeah. both of those in this episode. The, the telepathy, and at some point she like locates someone who's close by. She does it like through the telepathy and... Right, that's not a bionic power, is yeah. it? Yeah, but I mean, do you have that power? No, but I also can't do you have a soul? stick. Other oh. people can do that. That I hope I have a soul. I don't know. I don't know. TBD. Awkward. What? TBD. Yeah, I guess. Um, but like, it just seemed like it was just like, oh, that came out of nowhere. Like one kid can do karate really well, and then this one is like moving objects with her mind, and it's like, oh, that's a bridge too far, in my opinion. Well, like the dad's got almost like X Men Cyclops powers. He's shooting beams right, from his yeah. eyes and stuff. Right, but that seems like something you could do with science. I don't know that you could move shit with your mind with science. With like, can you? Is that like a thing we could do now? We are an undetermined number of years after 1999. I mean, twenty. They're just uh, twenty years. 20. <laughs> they're they're further along. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think that. Uh, I think that it's something that, you know, if they're they're making the leap in terms of what they have available for powers, okay. I think that it's within the realm of possibilities. That's fair. I did see this thing where they attached a, like a, a diode to a monkey and the and the monkey could use the mouse using only his brain. Right. And they've done that with human beings yeah. as well. And with so, the I mean, arms and stuff right, like that. Exactly. So, I mean, kind of, but it doesn't necessarily tie into things that are just in the outside area, you know? Well, I mean, I I, I, I agree with you. Maybe she taps into that underworld power she has. <laughs> well, when she looks around, she just sees like death. Yeah, it's just, everyone is dead. <laughs> it's just ashes. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and the the ma the I don't want to pick all the girls as characters, but oh I felt like God. they were really underdeveloped. Like I would have liked to have seen some more Katniss moments. So yeah, I I I will say you know it it's. It's interesting to look at, at some of the because again, as we've mentioned, and the the harsh the harsh reality of this is that it's an '80s cartoon with a family that happens to fall into a number of tropes, and you know, I I, I only hope that at some point that people have kind of learned from the mistakes that we've made in the past in terms of being able to actually develop characters, and I'll say this ex- almost exclusively for the characters that we have, as Joe has mentioned. The female characters in this show are sadly, at least in the first episode, the episode right. that we've watched, I hope that there's more development in the other 64 episodes, but they're a little bit underdeveloped in terms of what we saw this evening. And so my, my hope is that there's more in terms of progression. You have to give them credit because to be fair, I mean, I totally agree with Sean saying, to be fair though, this is a very diverse family. I mean, you have two adopted kids, so an Asian kid and a an African American kid, um, and, and the African American kid is IQ, correct? Correct. That, that's his name. Mm-hmm. He's the smart one. Right. Um, so I think, as to, in terms of diversity, they do a good job there, um, because he, this episode actually fo- focuses kind of on IQ, uh, and they do a nice job with him. 
but everyone else kind of gets the short shaft. And I think that that, I, I'm going to venture to say, and I, I do agree with you, uh, I, I want to say that the more you end up watching these shows, because it's such a large family dynamic with the six of them, that there's always probably going to be one or two of them that kind of get the spotlight for the episode, and everybody else is kind of just a supporting character. And so, sadly, for the first episode of the series Valley of Shadows that we watched tonight, IQ really kind of gets that spotlight. Everybody else kind of takes a background supporting role. Except for Fluffy. I feel like Fluffy is just sort of like... Yeah, Fluffy. Fluffy's the man. Fluffy's in like everything that they have available. Now, here's a slightly... I don't want to call it a racist question, but um, do you think because the episode was set in Africa that they focused on the African-American character? I think so. Well, because then at the end, there's the chief is like, don't forget about your people or whatever. Yeah. Remember it, that it, bit? It, it's, I mean, I, I, I think it's a good question. I, I think that it's it's something that we won't get an answer to. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you because, know, like, is there like a Hong Kong episode that focuses on Kung Fu? Well, one? actually, in uh, in future episodes, they f- they focus on uh, finding uh, Karate One Bungie's his father. Oh, yeah. In, in like Asia. Uh, I, I don't know where the character actually. It's, it's in uh, Ohio. <laughs> it's in Ohio. She's <laughs> actually American. Jesus, guys. So, what, uh, just as a quick side note, um, at one point they they zoom in on the content continent of Africa, and there is a conspicuous number of countries missing. Like, yeah. it is you know Africa's made of like fifty six countries, and there's maybe twelve like outlined in the thing. Like, and it's so, all the white countries that they still have on there, and, like and Rhodesia. I, I do I do want to note very quickly that for IQ, he is he is African American. He right. you know as uh, being adopted into the family, and for Bungie or Karate One, he is Japanese American. His name is actually Bungie. It's different than that but he goes by the nickname it's uh bungiro okay that's better and they say bungee all right it's kind of like a short and kind of more accessible way yeah, no, that makes it he americanized it yeah um yeah so i'm wondering if in this timeline like multiple countries of africa went into civil war with each other or just straight oh war with each other it is and then combined after 1999 and then combined to making like mega countries it's a within weird, africa it's a weird idea for the future like for the the idea that's within this show it's coming I, oh boy all right water Charlie, wars it's happening <laughs> not all right alex not, jones we are not getting into <laughs> kevin costner water wars no, that's take, water world. Take that's it back. Water world. Oh, water world. Water wars. 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 War over war. Like tank girl. Okay. All right, go on. All right, Charlie. What was a what was a what was a, a memorable character that you enjoyed? What was a character that you did not like? Well, so I just want to kind of piggyback on what Joe was saying. That I think a lot of the and again, it's probably just due to the nature of the episode. You know, I think a lot of the family members were sort of anonymous to me, both the men and the women, other than IQ, and this was really his episode more than anything. Um, I gotta say, I really liked. Dr. Scarab. I'm not rooting for him because I think his immortality play is very short-sighted and would get old pretty quickly. But um, I think he's like very, the way he was drawn was very detailed, like in his grotesqueness um, is very specific. Um, Like that face, kind of sort of a Colonel Kurtz thing going on. Um, Little little chunky Marlon Brando. Yeah. uh, Brando was the first thing that jumped to my mind. Yeah. so I thought that was really fun. I mean, you know, his motivation is pretty one note, um, but two notes, two notes. One, he wants to he wants to take over the world, and then two, he wants to be immortal. Well, but I think the immortal is coming first. Yeah, I feel like one begets then, the the other one. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why he just doesn't have a sit down with his brother and be like, hey, listen, oh, can you I hook hope. me up? Well, because, <laughs> like, because, I'm hurting you. Because, like, because Joe, I don't, I don't know if you're aware, but this is how we create tension within right. cartoons. <laughs> it's just like, look at me. My cholesterol is terrible. The doctor says I need to lose 75 pounds. I'm sorry I've been an asshole. Like, can so I come sorry. to Thanksgiving this year? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I know you're not the best chef. Um, <laughs> look, I'll talk to mom and I'll talk to dad. I will apologize. <laughs> Okay. Really extracting some hardcore promises. Yeah, right. Any any character that you didn't like? I mean, I know that you said the sort of some of the 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 main family characters were sort of tertiary. Yeah, not really. Okay. Um, you know, again, I I really enjoyed this quite a bit. So yeah. nobody stuck out as like horribly annoying necessarily. So I want to say characters for me that I really enjoyed, and I'm going to jump into villains like Charlie did. I liked Glove, <laughs> and here is why: because he is. The number two, like he is the like he is the the main henchman to Scarab, and he is always trying to usurp him. And so there is that common trope of trying to have somebody become the the new leader. It was a very Starscream Megatron, yeah. and I loved every moment of that. When like even the comments, and he's just like, "Well, why don't I take the orb right now?" And he goes, "No, that's why you're number two. It's like, oh yeah, somebody is jockeying for that heels. top position. Like somebody's looking for promotion. I love. I love seeing bad guys be bad guys to each other, like where they're just kind of shitty to one another, but they're like, you know what? We have a common enemy, so, you know, makes sense that we we work together. Right. All right. Plus, no glove, no love. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, Charlie. <laughs> All right. We have gotten into a lot of different hypotheticals and questions, and so let's... I want to dig in now to kind of what we have for the plot, but we are definitely not going to go beat by beat because there's a lot to unpack here. So I wanted to get into some questions that we might have. Uh, I want to start and I want to kick this off with this question that we've kind of hinted and we kind of talked about a little bit with this idea of taking us as human beings that we are and adding bionics onto us. Do you feel that that is the next stage or evolution of us as human beings. Full disclaimer, I have thought about this idea for like the last 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it might start with people who have experienced limb loss of some kind where right. prosthetics are just going to keep getting better. I mean, they already have, kind of like you were talking about, Joe, I mean, for ones you know, where it can hook on to what's left and be connected to your brain and you know, have like actual tactile feeling when you touch different right. materials. So I think that'll be step one. But once it becomes like better than given, I think it's only a matter of time before rich people start going the uh, Deus Ex prequel route and getting, you know, augmented. <laughs> when they start William Gibsoning this. Yeah, man. Just like, we're just going to get everything bionic. Right. Like, Crack everything. that ice. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. Yeah. Like where they they just start kind of making changes and upgrades and and what we do to our bodies just becomes something that's almost trivial where we're just like well doesn't matter right now I can yeah. change it and if I want to change it back later I'm sure I can have something else that's done I feel like it becomes almost a matter of money kind of along the lines of what you're saying so um, I think that's definitely the way we're gonna go okay you know like I think that that's you know I think that it's gonna it's gonna happen first with military because most things do, mm -hmm. um, and then it'll become like a, a designer prosthetics. You know, kind of like I don't know if you saw the new Ghost in the Shell movie. Um, wish I, I wish that I hadn't. Right, 
But one of the major kind of subplots is people buying in and like putting implants and things into their bodies to make themselves better. Uh, I think that will probably happen. I think there'll be a, a real steep like uh, buy-in process. But I think that that will, you know, it, look, if you could have augmented reality directly into your eyes, um, I think a lot of people would do it uh, just to be able to be able to plug in and, you know, see everywhere you go and not have to hold the phone in your hand just to be able to look around and see things and like read the news and everything like that. I think people are definitely going to do it. Right. And I, and I do think it's going to be a matter of money and then it will kind of create a social hierarchy um, and, you know, and, and issues. So I, I think it's always interesting because, you know, we have, I think it's, I think to your point, you're, you're correct. I think I agree with you that this is something that in terms of human evolution, that this is something that we're going to to target and kind of move towards. It's really interesting because I also think in terms of what we find that has applications within a military setting, that it will help kind of push some of that technology. I think it's already interesting, and I, I was reading a little bit more about this, but there is a designer that uh, has created a, a show that's called A Human. His name is Simon Huck, and it's basically like designer add-ons and modifications to people's bodies. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like it's going to be military. I feel like it's going to be fashion in terms of what people see and kind of what they're interested in doing. And I feel like with certain technologies that we have that have even been in movies as of late with Dwayne The Rock Johnson for the movie Rampage, which started with the posit of saying CRISPR is a technology that is now available that people have perfected. And you're just like, wait, we've gotten pretty far with it, but it hasn't been perfected yet. And so that whole idea of being able to, to potentially edit and change and modify not only who we are now, but in terms of the, the people that we have in the future that are being born, I always think that that's an interesting thing to posit. My additional question on top of this, and I think the the question that I kind of always go back and I think is applicable to what we have for Bionic 6, is what is the tipping point in terms of percentage where suddenly you are not you anymore? This is the stranded boat scenario. I know. I think it's always, I think this is always one of those things that's, that's really challenging. Because for me, I, I will say this. I think as long as you are the one who are making the decisions, and as long as there is something, you know, that is organic or a piece of you that is still there, whether you said for RoboCop, whether it's a brain and a hand, uh, or, or whether it's something that is human and organic in its origin in nature, uh, I think that it's still always you. Yeah, I, I mean, I think as long as it's a you know your brain and not your brain downloaded and put into a hard drive that's going into a surrogate body, that would be my line. Okay, so like altered carbon. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> saying that I want that. Yeah, right. but I think that that would be my definition. I think it'd be horrifying initially. And I think it'll be. I think it'll it. be. I think it'll be very challenging just in terms of people's acceptance. Yeah, I think there. that that would you know be taboo for a while, and then eventually it it'll would get be normalized. No big deal. Yeah, I think uh, decision making ability is what'll be the tipping point. Like as soon as you have something that inhibits your ability to make a specific decision, don't drink this, don't do that, 
um, you know, step left, step right. I think that is a bridge too far. Hmm. Um, because I think as humans, we are, especially as a, Americans, we are very conditioned to believe in free will. Um, and to believe that we make the choices uh, and not have machines override us. You know, that's why there are machines that are built, planes that are built today that have overrides where we can just override if we think, you know, we're in a stall or something like that. Whereas the same machine, if it was built in Germany, um, if you go to do a risky maneuver, it will not let you do that. Right. So, the, the, you know, we are, I think, intrinsically hardwired to want to be ourselves and make sure that we do things our way and I think the moment that you give up any of that control is when it ceases to be you. I think that I think the word control really kind of hits it on the head is once you are no longer what they would say in control. But again, I think that that is one of those classifications that's so hard to pin down, you know, and say like, well, Joe's in control right now, you know, because uh, on the outward, it might look like you are in control, but inter- like internally, it might be something where there's you know some conflict, some apologia in terms of you trying to understand and figure out exactly what's happening, you know, within the Joe Randazzo operating system, uh, you know, of, of what you're about to do next. There's actually a very good book called um, I believe it's called Incognito, which is about uh, brain function and why you behave in the way that you behave, and and the idea is that. Your actual brain chemistry and your gut makeup and what your body is naturally programmed to do is the one who makes most of the decisions for you. Your consciousness actually makes decisions several milliseconds after your body already starts reacting to that decision. Hmm. So um, so like nature, nurture, environment have already made up its mind? Basically. And your body's just kind of along for the ride? So essentially think about it like this. If you put your hand on a hot stove that you don't realize is hot, right? you will pull your hand off before you consciously realize that you have touched a hot stove, right? Your body is reacting, which means your brain is reacting before your consciousness is actually taking over. So like the theory is like, are we just basically neurons and, you know, and matter that is controlling most of what we do, 90% of what we do, or is it the actual consciousness does it? And is it the Mm -hmm. illusion of free will that's the issue? And they talk about uh, serial killers and, uh, for example, the guy who climbed up the tower uh, in Texas, I forget his name right now, uh, and shot all those people at Texas A&M back in the 60s. Um, He ended up was uh, having a lot of issues. He was essentially a normal dude for a long time and ended up having these issues and his handwriting got weird and it turned out that he had a brain tumor um, that actually caused that to happen. Now, it was still his behavior. He went up, he pulled the gun, but it was actually his brain chemistry that was making him do that. Now, is that free will or is that not his free will? Yeah. So that's kind of the issue that we're talking about. That's tough. Uh, wow. So I'm glad I brought this up. I wanted to get this deep about it because I, I feel like for this show, it sort of needs for everything that we've talked about in terms of you know bionic or cybernetic and, and zombies. <laughs> I feel like this is sort of the where we're going in terms of uh, not only maybe as a society in the future, maybe not in my lifetime, uh, but I mean, I definitely see us kind of on that trajectory. But you don't, you don't see the ability to maybe text a friend 
like without doing yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Like just uh, thinking about it. Yeah, just be or even just like having something implanted into your skin. No, they've already, I mean, and they've already done it. I mean, like right. if you've read any Ray Kurzweil, he talks a lot about you know the the ability to kind of automate some of the processes that we have as human beings. Sort of the understanding, as you mentioned, you know, sort of our our brain chemistry and our makeup, and that a lot of the things that we have that are going on or that are happening you know, kind of really boil down to, you know, our brain chemistry and exactly what's going on. And so being able to isolate, say, somebody who has a religious experience and showing exactly in their brain where the part of the brain is lighting up in relation to that actual experience that they're, they're a part of, and then boiling it down and saying, well, this is really just the firing of that. If we can replicate that in another person, they will feel that same type of euphoria, except for the fact that, like, as we were mentioning, brain chemistry can be different for everybody that's there. And yeah. so it's not, there's no silver bullet in terms of being able to say what's right or wrong. But I think, you know, the whole idea of control and sort of, you know, when, when are you not yourself? When do you hit that, that precipice of all of a sudden Joe Randazzo is now just like Apple watch 2.0 Joe Randazzo. <laughs> but I guess the other question that kind of goes along with this is Assuming it was affordable enough or, you know, money is not an object in this hypothetical, would you want some sort of augmentation if it was available and so, you know, socially acceptable? Yes. Depends what it is. Yeah. What would you want specifically, Sean? Uh, uh, <laughs> this is so dumb. Uh, I would really love, uh, I have nerve damage on my left arm. And so every once in a while, I uh, I lose feeling in my my pinky and my ring finger, and so uh, it is it is challenging. And so I could go in and I could do surgery, uh, you know, to kind of correct the the valley in terms of where the nerve is being pinched. Uh, the problem and the challenge with neurology is that we don't know a ton about that specific science, and in some cases, it can still be a guessing game. And for me, I would look at that bionic as a way of being able to say that it would fix the problem they do that with epilepsy now they have implants in your brain where it can literally turn off the epilepsy mm -hmm. and and if you watch someone who has the implant turn off the implant um they will be sitting and talking like normal and then they'll they'll purposely do it i mean you can look at videos of it in youtube they turn off the implant and you see them start to have a seizure like right yeah right then and there. Um, and, I, and I honestly, I like, when we were talking about the military, I think pain management, yep. I yeah. think pain management and social media are gonna be the two big things that kick off this resident, like right. that kick off the whole. Well, um, I think sports certainly, I mean, if we kind of give up on the idea of natural ability, there might just be a whole augmented league for any given thing. I think, I th actually think that will be a harder sell because I think people want to see the pinnacle of human like achievement. Well, I mean, know? I think they do now, but I think like assuming it's socially acceptable, I think that that would kind of feed the sort of Coliseum mentality that I think this would bring on. Yeah. But I mean, you, you also have the, this kind of two tracks going, you have the, the augmented human track and then you also have the, the bionic, not the bionic, the like cyborg track where we are building robots that are pretty amazing. I mean, if you look at stuff that DARPA is doing and Boston technology, Boston Dynamics, Boston, Boston Dynamics, Dynamics yeah. is doing, is, is they're making some really interesting stuff. So like, let's say in a sport like boxing, you know, you're going to get to a point where you make these people stronger and faster, 
but they're going to start doing real damage to their bodies. So, and I think that's kind of where like the robots come in. And I know this is the actual plot of that uh, Hugh Jackman movie. <laughs> um, but uh, True Steel, what is the name of that movie? Real Steel. Real, Real Steel. Steel, which is actually a pretty good movie. Um, I don't know about that. It's 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 pretty. Did you see it? Yeah, it's, it's an airplane. It's fine. It's, an, it's, it's an a fun boxing movie. movie. Um, it's just right up there with Rocky Two. So, shots. Rocky Two, the shots one where Rocky fired. can't read. Oh, um, God. he can't read. It's a sad. That movie. guy's illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I think you're having these two tracks kind of running parallel to each other, and it's going to be which one is more entertaining first. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think people are going to have more buy-in with the robots than they are with the augmentation. I think with the augmentations, you're going to have, you know, a pain management, obviously, you know, symptom controls, um, which, would, which would be mine as well, it would be symptom controls, because I have a, a bum leg. Uh, I'm not like hobbled, I just have pain in my leg. Um, but like, I, I, I think, you know, and then trying connecting people to each other. So, and I think things like that, but also like doing things like, you know, you have to look into the sexual aspect of it where it's like, all right, well, we're talking, you know, if you have something that can intensify, you know, your pleasure experience or make it last longer, I think people are going to do that much faster than they're going to do something that's like, you know, I can see like an Eagle. So sort of like in a demolition man where they put the little like nodes on top of their heads and then they like don't touch, but they kind of like maintain a proximity to one another. Sounds awful. And then, and then Stallone is just like, what what is this? What what am I doing? Like they're in each other's kind of like empathy, right? uh, Like kind of emotional part of their brain. And so he's just like, Whoa, why can't we just do the hunk of chunka? And you're like, Oh man, I can't believe this guy can read. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people shit on Stallone. That I guy, love Stallone. That guy I love wrote Stallone. Rocky. I love Stallone so much. And he wrote The Expendables. Like, he's a smart dude. I I, I, I give Stallone a lot of crap, but I, I will watch every single Stallone movie. If I ever met the man, I'd be like, could you be my father? Like, are you adopting? Like, anybody? my house. I was in The Outsiders. That's right. Oh, man. All right, so... We we've thank you guys for indulging me in terms of being able to kind of jump into this question. Yeah, I that's wanted a fascinating to check, question. I want to check and see if you guys have any specific questions about this episode that we need to answer tonight. Not really. I feel like the the thing is it's so dense with lore from the backstory, which certainly you would not know if you just watched that first episode. Right. Um. You know, I think the plot is pretty straightforward. Of F one, just a lot of exposition on you know, what I think the the conflicts will be over time. And right. then hopefully we learn about each uh, different family member a little more. Okay. So my, my kind of comment on it is that this show could not be made the same way today in that I think the 86 was a very different time than today is. It's only 30 years ago, but like, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, in the 80s, it's a very different experience than growing up as a kid today. Um you know, today we barely talk to each other. Uh, we're so obsessed with being online and being on the internet. And I think if you had bionic powers, that that stuff is going to get thrown in there. Where it's like you could connect to the internet and you could do this and you could watch stuff on yeah. your screen. And you will literally just sit there and just like watch stuff on and you'll just be like a zombie. Yeah, sitting the back on of your the, eyelids. 
can yeah. I can I give you my theory about what kind of ruined us? The internet. Well, it, as a part of the internet. Yeah. Uh, I always believed that it was instant messages. Um, you know, because at that point, and, and hear me out on this, because you know, when you when you first logged on to AOL, you know, and and you would get that disc with nine hundred free minutes, and and you'd log in, and you'd get that message from somebody else. It was entertaining. It was new. It was delightful. You know, you had an experience that you probably could have had if you had just picked up the phone, but don't because you will ruin your internet connection with that yeah, modem at that point. I think what happened then is eventually over time, and I don't, don't, I'm sure this is relevant for all of us in the room because I know that I went through this experience, but future iterations that they had of different IM messengers or different clients that you would use uh, gave you the ability to have tabbed conversations. So now, not only was I having one conversation with one person, but I was having multiple conversations at the same time with different people that didn't know that I was having those conversations, which is then now translated into us having text messages, which then is social media. And sort of that explosion, I feel like, is kind of that force multiplier where people are like, yeah, I could have a conversation with you. And you know, we could have a conversation right now in my basement as we're recording this, but I could also be talking with like dozens of other people at the same time. And I feel like that multitask portion of our brain is just kind of on overload. Yeah. And for many people, it's almost like you're trying to find the most entertaining thing in the moment. Right. But everybody's doing that. Right. So I'm going to go back a little further. I don't disagree with you. Um, I think it was actually the advent of 24-hour news. Oh. Uh, the whole cycle of it in that we have been kind of conditioned to think that something important is going on all the time. Mm. So like to justify that news or there's a, and I think in po politics, that is part of why we're so divided now is because it's something, it's all the time, all the time, rather than just like six minutes at six o'clock at night on the nightly news, you know, they're talking about this. And then if you want to read the paper, you can, I mean, to some extent, if you want to watch TV, you can, but it's, it's so much more invasive now. Um, just the constant, I feel like the constant cycle of, Hey, this is important. Hey, this is important. Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. Um, kind of feeds into this whole culture of now the fact that I feel like I have to check, you know, my news source, you know, 15 times a day without exaggeration, you know, easily without exaggeration. Um, you know, I think it, it kind of feels this constant need. And I think people also feel very uh, alone and bored uh, and feel the need to try and, you know, be as knowledgeable as they can. And, and that, in, in all aspects and, and just be constantly entertained. So I think that those two things kind of feed into each other and create this whole culture that we're currently living. That's interesting. I, I don't disagree with that. I think that that's having, having everybody think all the time that there's a compelling event that they should be a part of or be aware of, I think is, I think is challenging. And I, I definitely am guilty of checking the news multiple times during the day myself, just to be like, what is going on right now? Like what, what is actually happening? Um, I do, uh, I, I do this thing called the strenuous life, which I'm just gonna throw a quick plug to, uh, it's from the art of manliness. Um, and basically they give you challenges every week on to try and like live your best virtuous life, um, in a non-religious way. But, uh, one of them was actually to take a break from media for, uh, news for a week. And if, if that in, that also included your social media because that's where a lot of people get the news. Right. And I tell you, it totally kind of changed my thinking on on the whole um, thing because I actively avoided social media. 
I didn't watch the news. The first few days, you have tremendous fear of missing out. Um, but after that, you're kind of like a little free. And you're like, well, I don't really care what the president tweeted. I'm sure it was something. And then after that, and it's it's actually changed my... Mm, and the important stuff you still find out about, you know, people right, are like, right, oh, right. did you hear Aretha Franklin died? And I was like, no, I didn't. So like you find you find out because it's we're naturally share sharing uh, society. And I don't know, I found it very liberating and it, it changed the way I, I look at my media habits. So that's interesting. I would be interested to do that challenge to, to give that a shot. Yeah. Wow. So perhaps we should not be seeking the bionic life. <laughs> I don't. I, I, yeah. I, think, I think it'd be a lot sadder than like going on adventures and having a giant robot gorilla. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, it'd be like bionic, bionic six, sit on a couch and don't talk to each other. So you think Scarab has it better? Is what we're saying? I think Scarab actually is living his best life, while the rest are probably. If this was made today, at least today, he wants something. Right. Scarab has goals, motivation, drive. You know, Bionic Six are just reactive zombies. So, oh other God. than the dad, who's other than just the dad, their uh, ghoulish puppet yeah. master, <laughs> the the super sad dad who can't can't, can't get cook. it together, yep. can't let his family oh, go. Jesus, Bionic Bionic Six, <laughs> Dad, why are you we crying? Want to go play catch? You said oh, that for God. the twentieth time today. I I will say, uh, you know, we we have a lot that happened in this episode. I'd say one of the big so themes dark that, and deep. Uh, I mean, one of the big themes that we had in this that we haven't even touched on is the whole destiny aspect, which I think if we were to do that, we'd almost have to create a completely separate podcast to talk about the the whole idea of uh, of destiny and and kind of understanding the impact and implications that it had within this episode itself for IQ. Oh yeah. Uh, we could talk about the insane catchphrases that we had that's there, but I want to end on the following question. All right. I want to end before we get into, into some reviews on the following question, the food, <laughs> the food that, uh, that bionic husband and wife, uh, have at the end of this episode, I, I will read this for you guys. It is a truffle mousse pate in a green mint sauce. But remember, it's only for sophisticated older types. Is that something that you would eat? Joe. R- read it again. I'm sorry. Truffle. It is a truffle mousse pate mm-hmm. in a green mint sauce. Isn't that like ice cream? Basically, with truffles in it, it's pate. Like, no, it's like pate. Oh, it's spread. like a, yeah. it's liver, right? Yeah, it can be. Oh. It can be different proteins. Oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, no, no. Like, I don't like a lot of those ingredients. Ingredients. I don't like <laughs> truffles. I don't like mint. I like pate if it's like a good fatty duck. Okay, but like, eh. I mean, I'd try it and then be like, oh, this is, the fuck is this mint? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but I would try it. I wouldn't be freaked out by it. Okay. All right. So we've got one. We've got one try. Charlie, what are you feeling? I'm a, I'm a not try, but for the different reasons. I, I don't mind the herbs. It's just that pate really grosses me out. And I am a hardcore carnivore, but just like compressing it down into the mush is not the most appetizing Yeah, but like you eat way. it with a cracker. Are you a texture? Some people do. Are you, are you a texture guy? Somewhat. So like creamy things I don't generally do. Um, but yeah, pate is. Taste isn't there for me. So I just want everybody to to understand that as Charlie said something, or a creamy thing, 
Joe gave me those sarcastic bionic eyes that I talked about at the beginning of the show, which is fantastic. Yeah, we're so thank you for about, proving me right, buddy. Talking about cum. <laughs> <laughs> We've already hit after dark territory, yeah, so bionic, we're right. We are bionic right here. Bionic cum. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Dad, no. <laughs> Why? Why? Oh, that went so dark. That went to a different oh, place. God. All right, so... <laughs> to to answer the the my own question, I will say I would a hundred percent try it, and I would a hundred percent eat it. The challenge that I have is that they are eating a my my problem I have is so minute it's bullshit. The plating that they had for it, you don't eat a moose pate in a fucking bowl uh, like that. It's something that you would have again on a plate that you would serve with a cracker, or you would serve with some accoutrement that you would have, uh, like that would either be like on a, a cheese or a charcuterie board. To have it in a bowl and eat it with a spoon, ridiculous. Get out of here. I don't even want to consider it. It seems like they kind of just took words and mashed the words together. Like, that does not seem like it would fit. Like a truffle, mousse like pate. A truffle, well, a mousse pate is... Is that a real thing? Yes, it is. And adding truffles to a mousse pate is something because it's... it's. So what it is, essentially, depending on the type of truffle, it can be an earthy flavor combined with something that's going to be very unctuous, which is just very uh, satisfyingly fat. Okay. Uh, an amount of satisfying fat that is is in the actual uh, mousse pate. Yesterday, my wife asked me why we don't go to new restaurants, like hip new restaurants. And I said, well, I took you to that new cheeseburger joint, uh, new cheesesteak joint. And she's like, okay. And then she went out with her friend. <laughs> she looked a little sad. Damn, Joe. Wow, yeah. damn. That got, again, this got real dark. <laughs> At least it wasn't incesting it like Charlie. Bionic, over. bionic tears. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> tink, 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 tink. He doesn't <laughs> want to try new things, so his wife goes out with her friends. <laughs> <laughs> Through the miracles of modern science. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys again. Guess what? People listening right now, Turns out you have opinions about the show as well. And we are going to get to our opinions in just a moment. But to honor your opinions out there, we are going to throw this over to longtime listener in front of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. This week's Love It is titled Killer Series by Bionic Scribbler One in January 2003. It says, for some reason, everyone remembers the theme song. A great family show that reinforced all the good things. Family, unity, diversity, and acting when you know you have a just cause. Subplots included a discussion of family tension, Videla said, Wilbur and Amadeus Sharp, which was a retelling of the story of Jacob and Esau in the Bible. Why isn't this on DVD? And our hated is not really a hated, but more a complaint titled Identity and DVD Request by Buckmana22 in September 2005 and edited for length. He says, yeah, I didn't buy that Scarab didn't recognize them either. It would be different if he'd never met them in their civilian identities, but he did and should recognize them easily. I mean, they are a fairly distinctive group. And while we're on the subject... How come none of the classmates recognized them either? They were international celebrities, after all. And to cap it all off, before the remaining five get their superpowers, Bionic One's kids look at him on the telly and don't recognize him. Wonderful. As always, I'm going to be honest with you. I would 100% want Bobby Anthem 
to have bionics so that he could be a part of our bionic four that we have right now. I'm adding, I'm adding Bobby into this. We have Italian one. We have, we, we one. have painter one. We have host one. I want Bobby one as well. Wait, how come everyone else gets one that's their job and I get one that's my like ethnic identity? Nah, because you, you would, you, if I said anything else, you'd be just like, why am I not Italian one? No, I wouldn't. Yes, you 100% would. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into our recommendations about this show. So for anybody listening for the first time, you can recommend something and you can tell us why. You can also say, I do not recommend something. And then you could tell us why you would want to dissuade other people from watching this show. If you do not recommend this, as an additional step, you can give this the dip. Yes, the dip from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where you dip that cartoon into the dip and you erase it from the annals of cartoon history. And so, Joe, I want to go to you first. Uh, no, this show was, uh, was fine. So you'd recommend it? I wouldn't recommend it, but I watched it and I was like, yeah, this was fine. Like, I was just like, I have a lot of questions. I'm not going to like, it's no Batman the Animated Series. Let's put it that way. I'm not looking to like, you know, I saw that on Vimeo, they had all of the like, the all the different whatever, like episodes. And I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to see the next episode. I was just like, oh, that happened. And then I turned it off. Okay. So it was like, it was a pleasant 20 minutes. Um, but I'm so like out of a five star rating, three. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're kind of right in the middle. You wouldn't say go out and, and check it out, but you'd say also it's not a bad cartoon. No, if it's on and you're like, oh, I got nothing to watch, then watch it. But like, you know, otherwise there's other things that you can be doing with your time. Okay. Like checking social media. Oh my God. <laughs> or or don't. I felt like was your whole. <laughs> I, was <laughs> your being sar- I was being sarcastic. Oh, oh there's the sarcastic. Yeah. Again. You could also be reading the incognition book that I talked about. It's called Incognito uh, and it's by David Eagleman. Um, it will make you angry, okay. uh, but it'll make you think. Okay. Good call. Charlie, question goes over to you. Recommend, do not recommend the dip. Oh, so in a stunning turn of events, I'm going to recommend oh! on this. Oh. You were so positive on this show. <laughs> yeah. I um again, you know, I've just been party to so many, two really bad shows. <laughs> Outlaw Star, obviously, my Outlaw Star episode, go back and listen to it. Lo- smash that like button for me. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. But <laughs> this show was, I, it was just very enjoyable. I thought it was just like for what it is. Yeah, it's kind of corny. But um, animation style is great. And if you can find a high quality copy out there, unfortunately, it doesn't really seem like it's streaming anywhere at the moment. No. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun for what it was. Yeah. To your point, a lot of what we found was on Daily Motion. Uh, finding it on YouTube was just a whole copyright uh, hula hoop to, to jump through. Cause what the hell did I watch? You watched it on Daily Motion. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, I'm going to also recommend this as well. Uh, and I, I feel one of the big reasons that I don't think that we really kind of had uh, a chance to kind of really dig into tonight is sort of, I like this family dynamic. I felt that there was something that was relatively kind of 80s, maybe even 70s or 60s wholesome about sort of uh, who they were. And it really kind of almost played into the idea of if you're going to have superpowers and you're going to have something without this tragic backstory, it seems like it would be kind of helpful and nice to sort of going through this with other people that kind of understand what like you as a person and what you're going through and so who better than your actual family 
to be able to go through some type of a tragic Aspen ski accident turned into bionic family. Can I tell you, if this show was actually about a dead family <laughs> and the father that couldn't let go of his grief, I would watch the shit out of that show every week. If you played it real. It would be on Showtime. Like, yeah, if you played it real and just like slowly revealed through maybe like the first two episodes that those people were not alive anymore. Like, and I, and like the father is like dealing with it in an unhealthy way. Like, I would watch the hell out of that show. Yeah, that's, I, it would. Bionic, bionic thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it that would be crazy dark, Joe. I would actually watch that as well. Right? <laughs> like, I, I want to go home and write that I show. I to admit it. I would watch the hell out of that. Oh, man. I, I just, I, I feel like there's there's enough that we have in terms of story, and I like the fact that we're kind of dropped in uh, in Medias Rats for sort of where we are with this family, and I, I appreciate the fact that I'm sure that we'll hopefully get some backstory down the road. If one of these came on YouTube or on Daily Motion, and I was interested in watching it, I would definitely click continue watching. So, I uh, I enjoy this. So so Dome, thank you again for your recommendation. We have had a chance to to watch Bionic Six, and we hope that you appreciated all of this and that you enjoyed it as well. So thank you for your recommendation as always. We're now at the plug portion of the show. So Joe Randazzo, anything coming up? that you want to plug anything that you want uh, in terms of people to find you on social media, you can always just also say private citizen or, you know, no. So uh, social media wise, I'm a private citizen. Uh, I don't even have a Twitter account. Uh, I don't tweet. Um, I feel like but I now want to make a joke. Joe Rand has a Twitter account. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you're in the DC area, I do have two shows coming up for the District Improv Festival. Um, I am doing a show on the Friday, the 27th, I believe, whatever the Friday is around that date, uh, with double date, uh, which is my, um, the fist winning tournament, uh, which is a local tournament, uh, in the area. It's an annual tournament and double date one. Um, and it is, um, on, uh, the 28th and then i'm doing a show with sistine robot on the 29th uh and both of those shows are through the district improv festival so you can find tickets there yeah districtimprov.org yep thank you yep. and that's it great thank you joe charlie where can the good folks find you buddy um you can find me on uh instagram at ca visconage um and see all my latest paintings and stuff there and one thing i want to extend for your listeners is if we want to do for the remainder, because this comes out on the 17th. So from sub- September 17th through maybe like mid-October can take 20% off any one item. Just if you email me, let me know. Uh, and Sean, if you could put my email in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me know you heard me on here. You can get 20% off any one painting or nice. whatever. Um, yeah, that'd be great. And the website is visconage.com also in the show notes. And I, I should mention that Charlie has uh, not only brought me back when we did Transformers, he brought me a uh, a picture that he did of Rumble from the cartoon from the Decepticons. But today he has brought me an additional uh, painting that I have that is me as Papa Smurf with a blue face. So I cannot wait to to get this up on the wall. So thank you, Charlie. Uh, can I just, I'm, I'm a big reader, and if I could just uh, throw in two that are kind of tied into what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely, John. Um, so the first book is called Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. 
uh, and it was written in the 90s, I think, uh, 90s or late 80s. Uh, and it is the first, uh, it is basically about this kid who is named Hero Protagonist, which is the greatest uh, <laughs> character name ever, H-I-R-O, Protagonist. Uh, and he is trying to fight off, uh, you know, I don't even want to tell you about it. Just go out and read it. It will blow your mind. It is a wonderful, wonderful, fun book, and it's very entertaining and very smart. I never thought I would read chapters about Sumerian neurolinguistic viruses and be thoroughly entertained. The second book is called Armor uh, by John Stakely, uh, which is basically a um, Starship Troopers without um, all the propaganda and just it is excellent. So check those two out. Did you actually read the actual Starship Troopers? I did, and okay. it is an amazing. Book. It's fantastic. Yeah, and, and I mean it's the movie is, so is 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 a is a good as well. Um, but if you kind of want a very different, more psychological, amazing book, check out Armor. Got it. Cool. Thank you very much, Joe. You heard him on this episode. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the wonderful friend of our show, Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience. You can find them on Twitter at I-E-X-P underscore podcast, and you can find them on Spreaker and SoundCloud. He's also the occasional third co-host on the THT Movie Review Podcast, which broadcasts every Saturday night at 11.30 Eastern Standard on Mixler. And you can find him on Twitter at Bobby Anthem. Send him a message and show him some love. He is simply the best. As for me, I perform live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point in Washington, D.C., you can find tickets and times with dc.org. And I'm always on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. Looking for Dave? You can find him on Twitter at Dr. MD. You can also find all of his writings on Nerdist.com, Collider.com, and DaveTrumbor.com. Hey, want to support us? Yeah, yeah, this show, this podcast that you're listening to. Just tell a friend about this show and maybe even just consider going over to iTunes if you can do that and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it and it absolutely helps the show. You can find us on Twitter at Morning Tunes. You can check out our Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can find all of these links that we've been talking about on the show on our link tree that is in the bio for all of our social media sites. And you can always listen to us on the first and third Monday of every month on YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Want to suggest a cartoon like Dome did? You can email us Saturday Morning Cartoons or you can go on the forum that we have or you can even call us as well. So thank you guys so much for listening to Bionic 6 and our listener recommendation month that we have. Guys, we're going to be back in October with spooky cartoons. And I feel like we kind of have to go out on sort of like a Bionic, Bionic 6. Ooh, ooh, my what? family's dead. Goddamn. What could I have done? Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Sean. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.